0: Hello, my name is Lee Shelnut And I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church That's a mouthful So we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP We at HARP welcome you to the podcast Of our preaching and teaching ministry We're grateful that you've joined us If you're encouraged by what you hear We'd love to have you subscribe We believe in the power of God's Word and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is the invitation. Before I begin, I would like to say thank you to Lee for giving me this opportunity to come and to bring God's Word to his people. I'd also like to say thank you to Huntersville ARP um, for letting me serve with and alongside the youth for the past, what, three three years. Um, it's been a tremendous blessing to my life as I'm looking to see what God's calling is for me. Our passage of Scripture today comes from the third chapter of Exodus. We're going to be reading the whole chapter, so please turn your attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired Word. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and i have seen the oppression with which the egyptians oppressed them come i will send to you pharaoh i will send you to pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of israel out of egypt but moses said to god who am i that i should go to pharaoh and bring the children of israel out of egypt and he said but i will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that i have sent you when you have brought the people out of egypt you shall serve god on this mountain then moses said to god This is my name forever, and thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey." and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. So here we have the account of the burning bush. Many of you probably know this story and have heard it many times. There's there's a lot of information, there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge that's packed into the story. So as we unpack it, there are a few things that I want us to take a look at. One of the things we see is God's character. And the second thing we see that he reveals to Moses and then to us through the pen of Moses is what he will do with his kingdom. So the story there is Moses, he's wandering through the wilderness, he's got a flock, he's a shepherd, and he comes up on a bush that's burning, and he's like, what is going on i got to check this out so he goes over and looks at it and bam the lord addresses him he says stop then he proceeds to then give moses a command of what he is to do he's to go to the israelites and tell them we must go to to pharaoh and bring the people out of israel and then he follows that up with here's what's going to happen when you when you talk to then then the israelites and then pharaoh so as i mentioned we're looking and seeing how god is revealing his character That's the first point. The first thing about his character that we see is he is holy. Notice there when Moses approaches the bush, God gives him a negative command, stop. Stop right there, wait. What he's doing there is he's caring for Moses. As we look throughout history, God's providence and God's power and will in his presence is powerful. And when the people of God, or anyone for that matter, is irreverent in the presence of God, it doesn't end well. People are killed. And so, God is looking out for Moses, because Moses doesn't obviously understand what's going on. But then after he gives him a negative command, he gives him a positive command. Take, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. So he's warning him and he's telling him what is going on. He's revealing himself to Moses. Something that's really important to understand there, is that it's not the bush that is holy. It's not the ground that is holy. It's God's presence. Something that Moses was very familiar with at that time, was the many pagan gods. And each of these pagan gods had something had, had a tangible thing. Think of the, 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 the temple to Dagon, the, the Philistine god. The Philistine god was in that temple and, and if you remember, it fell over and they had to go put it back up. And then it broke. Why were they concerned when it broke? Because Dagon, the temple, that, that sculpture was their god. So when it fell over, their god fell over. The bush isn't god. The ground isn't god. His presence is there. So we begin to see his character, that he is holy. He's set apart. Unlike any other of those gods that Moses would have been familiar with in that time. The second thing we see is God is gracious. Look there in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. God was present with his people. He knew their suffering. He heard their cries. God wasn't distant, far off, not knowing what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on in the lives of His people, the Israelites. He's gracious. He hears them. Verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians, Egyptians oppressed them. He's repeating himself. He's like, I don't think you heard me. I understand the plight, the cause of my people, the Israelites. I understand what has happened and now I'm going to do something. God doesn't stand there distantly far off, not acting in the lives of his people. He's come to do something. He's sending Moses to help out the people of God. And then, under his character, we see that he is present. Verse 15 says, God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Why does he list off those names? He's saying that he's present. He isn't just saying, you're God in a vague, odd fashion. He's saying the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of you, is with you. He's listing off a belonging to his people. He's saying, I am the God of these particular people, my people, the Israelites. And thus, as we know through the rest of Scripture, he's applying that to you, God's children. It applies today. As I was listening, I listened to a sermon by Kevin DeYoung and he he pointed out something that's very interesting about the Hebrew translation of the word, I am who I am. And I want to share it with you and I don't want to get you lost in the Hebrew semantics of the passage, but something's very interesting. The words there are eyah, aser, eyah. Eyah meaning I am, aser being a joining word, and eyah again, I am. And as he explained it, as I learned, the word eyah is a to be verb. And something that's very interesting to learn there is that it's not translated directly, I am. The word ayah doesn't have a tense to it. And so it could be translated, I was who I am. I will be who I am. I am who I was. So notice what's being done there. There's almost nine different translations of that word, or that phrase. Why is that important? Well, we begin to see God's character there. As we look at it, what God is saying to to Abraham and by way of implication his people is I am who I will be I am who I was He's omnipresent that's a big word that means he's 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 throughout all time He's not just saying I'm God I'm God with you I'm present with you I'm present there with you Moses I'm present there with you Israelites and I'm present there with you Christians now today so he's, he's revealing himself to Moses. Moses gets all caught up. He's like, I don't know what to call you. But more than he needed the name of God, he needed to know who God was. He didn't know who God was. He was, he was going to go off to the you know, Israelites and the Egyptians and say, God, he didn't really know. And God stops him and says, you don't know who I am. I am who I am. I am present with you. And it's, it's extremely important for us to understand who God is before we... Evangelize before we live the Christian life. We can't live the Christian life as God has clearly explained to Moses before we really understand and comprehend who God is. So we see that He reveals His character, but He also reveals what He is going to do. Said another way, He reveals what He is going to do through Moses to the Israelites. Look there in verse 8. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he's come to deliver the people. He's already mentioned, I have heard their affliction. So now he's telling us, I'm going to do something, right? He acknowledges, I have been with my people. I've heard their cries. Now here's what I'm going to do, Moses. So he's saying, Moses, here I am. Now here's what I'm going to do. He, he, he's telling Moses, I will, I will intervene on behalf of you, the people, or of, of the Israelites, to go against Pharaoh and to release you, release you from your oppression. How does he do this? How does God know that the people are coming? How does God know that need, they need to be delivered? How will God deliver the people? He's all knowing, He's all present, He's all powerful. He can do this because of His character. His character defines what he is able to do and what he is going to do. It defines what he is going to do because he is faithful. If his character wasn't faithful, he could say all he wanted and then he'd not do anything, and that would be consistent because his character would be unfaithful, but that's not how our God is. Our God is faithful. He is the I AM. He will also bring them out, look there in verse 17. And I promise I will bring you up out of the land of the of Egypt. To the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. He'll take their affliction away. So he's he's telling them, all right, I see where you are. I understand your pain. I understand your affliction. Here's what I'm going to give you. And that's why he always is consistent to list out a land flowing with milk and honey. He's promising Moses there. And by way of implication, he's promising the Israelites, here's what I have in store for you. Take hope. Take hope. He also kind of anticipates not only will he deliver them but he will be with them look there in verse 12 he said but I will be with you and this is the sign for you that I have sent you that I have brought the people out of Egypt that you shall serve your God on this mountain so he's acknowledging here's what I will do but he's also acknowledging I will be with you Have you ever heard the phrase, my thoughts and prayers are with you? I've heard that many times, and it seems more frequently now I've heard the phrase, my thoughts are with you. It's a fear of saying my prayers are with you. And I've always wondered, what exactly does that look like? My thoughts are with you. <laughs> Send them your way. And, it's, and I kind of wrote it off as an insincere phrase. But as we think about what the phrase, my prayers are with you, and not only my prayers are with you, but the specific prayer of may God be with you, which I have admittedly written off as, my thoughts are with you, my prayers are with you, may God be with you. Okay, it's just kind of these cute little things we say down south. Think about what we're saying when we actually say that. Think about what someone's saying when they say that for you. And I would encourage you not to write it off. May, the God, may God be with you. May the God of all creation. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be with you. I mean, how can you top that? You could top, my thoughts are with you pretty easily but you can't taught me the God of all creation be with you. You can't, because of his character, because of who he is and because of what he has done. Something else in terms of being present with us, look there in verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Once again, as I was, as I was researching this, I learned a little bit more about the Hebrew language. I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing that I learned is that repetition found in the Hebrew language often implied intimacy. And it's not a a sexual intimacy, always, but sometimes it was just close, intimate. So something that's interesting to notice there, what God is not doing when he says that, he's not saying, hey Moses, Moses, I'm over here. No, it's Moses, Moses, I'm right here. I'm with you. I'm with you and I will be with you by the definition of his character. He is present. He was present with that moment in the bush, with Moses. And that promise that he's making is that he will be present with Moses, with the Israelites, and with you. If we take the story and fast forward until after Moses has died, we learn in Joshua chapter 4 or Joshua chapter 1, excuse me, that God is promising all of this land to Joshua. After Moses has died, God is promising all, these, all this land and the things that will take place under Joshua. And we read there in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now listen to this. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What is he saying there? In the third chapter of Exodus, we see that Moses was promised by God that God would be with him. Fast forward, in Joshua chapter 1, we see that that took place. And because of God's character, his consistent character, he can tell Joshua, I was with Moses, and I will be with you. It's the same thing he said to Moses, it's the same thing he said to Joshua, and it's the same thing that's found throughout the entire Scripture of God's presence with us. So, not only does he identify what he is going to do through Moses, he kind of gives Moses a sneak peek as to what's going to happen. He says, Moses, I'm going I'm to show you. Here's what's going to happen. Take heart. He commands him, he tells him, they will listen to you. Look there in verse 18. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt, and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to our God." So he's already granted him, here's what I'm going to do, and he didn't leave it there. He gave Moses an encouragement, and kind of gave him a sneak peek into the future, as I mentioned, of here's what's going to happen. He could have left Moses in the dark and said, Well, here's what you should say, but I don't really know what's going to happen. That's not our God. That's not the way he works. He tells Moses, they will listen to you. Look there, you might say, but, but what about Pharaoh? Well, God did say that. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. He's acknowledging Pharaoh's a stubborn guy. <laughs> He's not going to be as easily persuaded as the leaders of Egypt. But we don't stop there. Read verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. He told Moses here's what you should do. And then he told Moses, here's what's going to happen. Take heart. Don't be discouraged. Something that's really interesting that I, that I noticed as I was reading this, each time God seems to lay things out, Moses has always got a response. And it's interesting because in, the, in verse 11, he says there, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. What is he asking? He's saying, who am I? A question I ask myself preparing for this today. Who am I? You know, all these people that are much older than me, probably know a lot more than me. Who am I to bring God's word to his people? Moses is asking this question. How does God respond? I will be with you. Verse 13. What shall I say your name is to be? How does God respond? I am who I am. Jumping forward to chapter 4, he says in verse 10, Moses is saying to God, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I don't know what to say. How does God respond? Is it not I who made you that way? What is the common theme there? That after Moses says something, after Moses is saying something, how does God respond? Moses is saying each time, He's looking where, introspectively, he's looking at himself. He's saying, "Well, I, I can't do this. I don't know the words to say. I don't know what to call you. I'm not, I'm not eloquent." All these types of things. He's saying he's looking at himself. How does God respond? "I will be with you. I am who I am. Is it not I, the Lord?" He responds, "I. Never once does God respond, "Oh, you are fine. You can do this." No." He doesn't respond that way. He responds, I. Why? Because Moses' focus was in the wrong area. Moses' focus was on himself. And God is saying, you don't understand, Moses. Your focus should be on me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. If if, if God really did think in Moses that he had the capability to do any of these things, he wouldn't have said any of those things. He'd have said, Moses, you're fine. He'd have said, Moses, you can do this. But he didn't. He pointed pointed Moses' direction of focus back toward himself. I think think the, the passage of scripture from the New Testament today was very fitting. Right? You have Peter there on the water, he's nervous, he's scared. What is he doing? He's focusing on himself. It's amazing to see the story of how we are to focus on Christ throughout the entirety of Scripture. From Exodus all the way to the New Testament. What is the same theme that God is saying? You're not trusting me, you're trusting yourself. Just like Moses, we don't necessarily need the right things to say. We we need to have God with us, before us, behind us. The words, the right things to say, will come after that. That's the emphasis of God saying, I am who I am, now tell the people I am who I am. He didn't address the issue initially. When Moses said, what am I supposed to say? He didn't say, well, here's what you should say. God had to identify, I am who I am, Moses. You don't understand. How does this apply to our life today? I think it applies in three main areas. One of them is evangelism. The Great Commission. Go therefore unto all nations and proclaim my name. That's essentially what Moses was doing in a very small scale, and it applies to us today because we are all nations. We are to go. We are to be the light of Christ. When we have doubts, when we have fears of what we are going to say, whether we are going to be humiliated, where is our focus? Moses was really nervous. That's why he's responding to God. Why was he nervous? Many things. One, the Israelites knew who he was. I mean, they they even said to him, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? He was scared. He was scared he was going to be ridiculed. He didn't know the words to say. He was afraid that he was going to come back and he was like, Gu- guys, um, I spoke to a bush. It's not what he was supposed to say. We can't focus on ourselves in these moments. We need to do as God tells us to do and focus on Him. I think also your life, not only evangelism, but your entire life has to be dedicated towards Him. You might be wondering, okay, I see, I see how this works for you, Paul. <laughs> You're 21 years old. you got your whole life in front of you. You plan to go to seminary. I see how you're going to encourage me to, to dedicate my life to Christ. I mean, have you thought about Moses? How old is he? He's 80 years old. Moses had been all over the place. He'd learned a lot. He'd traveled. He was a farmer. He knew a lot. But it wasn't until much later in his life than probably most of us that God called Moses to do his will. How can that apply to us? It may be easiest for us to shrug off dedicating our life, and not not in a salvific sense, but in a dedication sense. I want to dedicate my life to service, not in a check-off-the-box sense, but in a I want to do this for Him. I think it also applies to your heart. As we've noticed that it wasn't the most important thing that Moses said the right thing. God made an emphasis that it was he had his heart in the right place. He had his mind in the right place. He had to know who God was before he could make any steps or take any actions of doing what God had called him to do. It was about a year ago, I had the privilege of hearing Andrew Brunson speak at a graduation commencement um, at Erson College back when they did graduations in person. And he, he spoke, many of you may know of Andrew Brunson. He was a Turkish Missionary who was imprisoned in Turkey for quite some time. And as he was reflecting about his time, and he was reflecting about the challenge, the difficulty of it was to be in, in prison, and the, the test that was on his faith, I remember him saying, and it wasn't word for word, but I remember saying, him saying something along the lines of, I am not a great man, but I serve a great God. And it really, it really struck me. It seems that Andrew Brunson understands the posture that we need to have when we come to do God's will. If we have the posture of I am a great man, I am a great woman, we're in the wrong place. We don't know the I am. We need to have a posture of he is the I am. He is the great man. The one that's come to do a work in our lives. If you follow him, you will find success. He has promised Moses that and he promises you that. How? How do you know that? you might ask. Where are we going to see that? Why? Because of his character. He's identified his character, his character being all present, all knowing, these types of things that, that means he's going to be with us in those times. And so if we know that, then we can't say, well, I don't know what God's going to do. We know that he's going to do a work in us. We don't know exactly what the work is, but we know that God is going to do a work and that he is going to be glorified. So that should give us hope and encouragement to do what He has called us to do. If you will, pull out your bulletin and let's look at this final hymn that we're going to sing. I would remind you that if you use a hymnal, please remember to leave it on the pew so that we know to wipe it off. Please don't put it back. Our final hymn today is Take My Life and Let It Be. And I want to look there at verses 1 and 5. Verse 1 says, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. You ask, what does what giving my life to Christ look like? That's it right there. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. We're dedicating our life to service. Look there in verse 5. Take my will and make it Thine. It shall be no longer Mine. Moses, at the beginning of this chapter, had his own will. And God had other plans. God intervened, and by the end of that chapter, Moses had to be singing something along the lines of, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Once again, the important part here is that it's not about the actions you take. It's not about the words you take. It's about where your heart is. And those actions and those words shall flow from your heart after you have oriented yourself properly towards Christ. As we look at this, we see that the character of God lays the foundation for all of Christian belief and duty. As we look at who God is, we see that His character demands us to be a certain way. By definition, We are to serve and follow Him because of who He is and what He has done in our lives. So remember. Remember where to focus. Each time that you focus, brothers and sisters, each time you focus on yourself, whatever the task may be, as I focused on myself many two times preparing for this sermon, which is quite ironic because it's the passage that I'm preaching on, remember that if you're focused on yourself, be quick to realize probably not focused in the right place you need to be focused on him you need to be focused on, on what he's going to do the promises that he has made to you through the pen of people like Moses let's go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father take my life and let it be holy consecrated Lord to thee Lord I thank you for your word I thank you for the blessing and encouragement that it is to me. And I pray that you would bless this congregation with it as they go about their day and their week. That Lord, they would not be focused on themselves, but they would be focused on you and on the calling you have placed on their lives to live unto you. I pray that Lord, you would never take that focus away from any of us. That we would live each day with anticipation of what it is that you are going to do in our lives and with grateful hearts of that which you have done in our lives. I ask this all in Your precious and holy name. Amen.